Hi, this is producer Julie Sabatier. We're guessing that Starting a Riot fans love music, so we wanted to share an episode of one of our favorite music podcasts with you. It's called Sound Opinions. Keep an eye on your feed for the next couple of weeks. We'll be bringing you some bonus interview content from Starting a Riot, including more with Corin Tucker. You don't want to miss it. For now, please enjoy this episode of Sound Opinions, all about the all-female supergroup known as Boy Genius. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and this week we talk about supergroups. I'm Jim DeRogatis. And I'm Greg Cott. First, we talk with the most exciting supergroup making music today, Boy Genius. The names Phoebe Bridgers, Lucy Dacus, and Julian Baker should be familiar to Sound Opinions listeners. They're each responsible for some of our favorite albums of the past six years. Phoebe and Lucy have both been guests on the show, uh, chatting with us. Uh, Phoebe's about to be out there opening for Taylor Swift's tour that broke Ticketmaster. In 2018, these three friends put out the Boy Genius EP, which quickly became a topic of obsession for a particular subset of music fans. Uh, Greg, remember that HBO show, uh, Mayor of Easttown? Mm -hmm. They used a Boy Genius concert as a big plot point in 2021. I do for sure, Jim, and that's just a small indication of the excitement the trio generated with just six songs. Now, four and a half years later, they're back with an album called The Record. Twelve tracks recorded at Rick Rubin's Shangri-La Studios in Malibu. But Rubin did not produce it. The group brought in Catherine Marks along with Sarah Tudson of Illuminati Hotties, Jay Som, and Phoebe Bridger's frequent collaborator, Tony Berg. They signed to a major label and put out a short film directed by Kristen Stewart. Over the next couple of weeks, they're going to be playing a high-profile slot at Coachella and will be headlining the Reset Festival this summer. It's clear this record is a moment for the trio to level up. We were very sad, Mr. Cott, that you couldn't be here for the interview, but everybody deserves a vacation. Producer Alex Claiborne stepped up with an able assist on what turned out to be uh, a great conversation, really relaxed and casual. When you moved to Chicago, The line that jumps out to me as I listen again and again to the record is when you don't know who you are, I'm going to paraphrase only slightly, you mess around and find out. Um, Which is brilliant. So I'm wondering, the three of you, is coming together again as Boy Genius for the first time since that 2018 EP uh, messing around, or have you all arrived at a place in, in, of self-confidence uh, where, where now it's like, we can do what we want, and we want to do this? Yes. I, I love that you just asked, did we mess around and find out? Because <laughs> 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 the answer is yes. I do also want to say that... Uh, only one person has caught this so far that true blue mm. it's like about the blue line in mm. chicago so shout oh. out so what do you think are you messing around as boy genius or is this uh you know we, we have proven ourselves we are the artists we are uh, uh if we want to do a side project we can 
I think yeah, I think we are both messing around and finding out. It's a constant loop of self-discovery and messing around. Yeah. You know, like like it doesn't uh like like the schedule of making an album means that we could only reach so many conclusions in that time, but we mm-hmm. continued making stuff and yeah. having conversations that helped us arrive at things. Yeah. Um but but making the record was our most concentrated time of creating together ever so the album's like a freeze frame on a continuous conversation that the three of us just have yeah and continue to have uh i get so annoyed that as soon as i feel like i know myself i change it's so annoying yeah like the like (laughs) self-discovery never ending that's so annoying but this Why is, is life. It exciting it is exciting but it's like just exciting because you don't have to be bored yeah i'm more excited about it recently than in in my past i'd be like you know what Dang. that's also an out of character thing for me to say we just switched yeah we <laughs> just switched yeah yeah i was like i yeah okay so we've established that julian and lucy have switched roles uh somewhat um I, I know you've told this story a million times already, and you're just gearing up for the release of the record. But but what was the impetus, um, you know, and how did you come together for this very intense period of a month of 10-hour days? We'd been planning it forever, plotting and scheming. Uh, but, yeah, like, a week after my record came out, I started writing something that felt like it was a Boy Genius song, and then and then we just were planning on getting together and making something for two years until we actually got Mm. to make it uh which feels really special and i cannot believe it comes out right now it's it's like a week away tomorrow is when our album comes out and that is insane yeah to me it's so good one of those like real big like uh parabola like sine waves of like this is the best ever were the best band and then i was listening to it and like could not get out of editor brain and being Mm. this is Mm. no this will never be good enough and i listened to it in the car uh yesterday and it freaking bangs it bangs (laughs) yeah (laughs) some Um, might say slaps you know i've always liked a record yeah it's not that i haven't (laughs) liked it it's just that i'll like things will bug me yeah totally i won't well that was true until i changed some of the lyrics and went back and recorded like i'm meticulous in my own weird way i have a couple things that will stick in my craw forever but no one knows so i don't need craw is that stick in your craw? Whoa! I think that's a thing. Are you allowed craw. to say craw on the radio? Yo. Yeah. I'm um, from California. I don't know about that. none of that. Oh. Something stick. <laughs> something stuck in your craw. I, like I, I can infer the meaning, but, <laughs> like but it's just only you know, which makes it good, but also slightly worse because you're like, I'll carry this with me forever, and like no one else will know, but also. Also, I, like, if people don't know, like, I always think of, like, people's ears are intelligent. Like, when people say, I don't know anything about music, but I like this or that. I'm like, it's, you have taste and you do know what's going on. You just know the words for it. Or, like, yeah. I like my mom will go to a show of a local band and be like, yeah, I, I really didn't like it. And I'm like, the bassist <laughs> sucks. Like, the, you can't mm. even really hear it, but the bassist sucks. Yeah, you and that's why you don't wrong. like it, because it sounds bad, because the bassist sucks. Um, right. it's, a, it's an instinctual so, gut emotional reaction and then you don't always have the words to articulate it there's a few things that i 
there's probably three things that I would change, which is a really low number. Well, you can tell on this record too, the connection that you have with one another. And, you know, Lucy, you were just talking about this, a gut reaction of knowing when something is good, when you feel like the people making the music are doing it for each other. There's a warmth to it and a mutual respect and understanding. I felt that moments on the record, especially the opening track, reminded me a lot of those trio records that Dolly Parton, uh, Linda Ronstadt, and Emmylou Harris did. Give me everything you got. I'll take what I can get. I want to hear your story and be a part of it. And I was wondering if you've heard that at all or... No, we've all heard it. And they're all legends. What an honor to I be I like mentioned. the Neil Young cover a lot, the After the Gold Rush. Mm, yeah, so yeah. good. Mm-hmm. I think most male supergroups have sucked, have always sucked. <laughs> but, but, you know, from from those three <laughs> records... Pull, pull, pull. You know, from, from those records Alex mentioned all the way up to high women today, it's like uh, female artists have come together and done it much better and truly earned the super. Or like case like the whole case Lang Veers thing mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. also good. And I wonder, well, and it's not to say that there aren't, because there's that thing, what, Planetarium with like Desner and Sufjan and a couple other folks. Yeah. And like, I think there are people who are doing it. Was Cros- Crosby, Stills, and Nash, were they a band before they had solo careers or were they separate? No, it, it, they came together They after. were in other bands like Buffalo Springfield and... Crosby was in The Birds, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're good. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, they were good. They're such tools. Yeah. <laughs> Both Greg and I have had 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 Crosby uh, uh, hang up on us when we dared ask about the four hundred dollar tickets. <laughs> I mean, this is the guy who sent. By the time we get to Woodstock, we were half a million strong. Yeah. Peace, love, you know, community, and I'll charge whatever I want. F you, hang up. <laughs> may, his, may his grumpy ass rest in peace. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was allegedly part of his charm. His grumpy yeah, exactly. I wanna be happy. I'm ready to walk into my The three of you recreated the cover of Rolling Stone that Nirvana did all those years ago with the suits. Um, You also recreated the photo shoot of them in the colorful dresses and outfits. And I was wondering whose idea was it and how did you decide who would stand in for who? I think, Uh, well, that's a fun end to the question. It's so clear. Yeah. (laughs) It's so obvious. It's so obvious. And that's why it was fun. Yeah. Um, it was my high school friend Alex Mitchell's idea, like years ago. It was like, if Boy Genius ever does anything again, can you please let me source these garments for a photo shoot? And then um, when we secured Rolling Stone, they also came up with the idea separately. And it's fun mm. to like see an idea crop up from different places, and it must be good if a lot of people are having it. Um, and it was cool. We I actually got to bring her to help style the shoot. Um, but yeah, it, we are each of those. We look like them a little. Yeah. <laughs> I look exactly like Dave Grohl. You look like Dave Grohl. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like was, was girl. Well, we and like Lucy is the tallest, like Chris yeah. Novoselic. It's like Phoebe's got the blonde hair. I, I figured as much, but I saw that. I think the photos of you all in the colorful dresses and stuff came out first on Twitter. And I was like, oh, new boy genius is coming. I can feel it. Like, yeah. I know it's. <laughs> I liked doing drag of drag. 
Yeah, drag yeah. Yeah, it's very yeah. meta. <laughs> now illegal yeah. in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, totally. Okay, so a month of 10-hour days and uh, uh, recording this uh, very intense uh, period. Um, uh, but I, I gathered from the way you've been talking about those sessions, all of you, that, that you'd have been happy to go until you dropped every day, that it was fun. It was a joyful experience in the studio. Yeah, and we lost our minds. Yeah, <laughs> we should yeah. have been better about the schedule. Like, I don't want to romanticize the mania of, like, there was just a point where when you're working for seven days straight without any space, like, you're just not having any more ideas and you push through it and eventually you come up with something, but the pushing through it actually takes longer mm-hmm. than if you'd had a day off. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to romanticize that, but it all worked out. But mm-hmm. it's also difficult to, I think it's difficult like when y'all see, I feel I can sense this from y'all. Y'all not wanting to like intervene when I'm like, no, I've got to just, just, just let me plug this, make this one little setting. It's gonna be fine. And then I could sense y'all being like, whether or not this is productive, she has to do it. Yeah. And so mm. I feel like I had a lot of that for y'all's mm. process in whatever way that cropped up. Like, well, mine's in post production. Like. I, I, you know, well, like what I mean too about how it was unproductive to keep pushing through some of the days. Like, I just like let guitar sounds be whatever they were, and then I had to spend five days fixing them, them later because I knew it wasn't mm. right in the moment. But so you I, like, didn't have the bandwidth to like it to in, find it then. Which is why I love space and recording because if if there's a snare sound or whatever that isn't right you're like it's been a long day we have to record and then and then if you give yourself the space to edit it where you forget how hard the day was and you're just listening to what it is you're like i don't care how long it takes it's gonna be perfect it's gonna outlive us Mm -hmm. and it's gonna i'm gonna fix it that's something that we didn't really have in the studio because we did it all in 30 days um Mm. but but we worked it out and 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 like i think we let those things uh marinate in our own frustration for a second before fixing we fixed all types of and and that the uh other side of that to me is that the songs are solid and so things that were like wrong in our head even if we had left them there wasn't really messing them up like so I, I felt kind of like pressure, like I did really want specific sounds, but like think about all those like 90s records where the snare sounds like utter. Dude, yeah. I think about this very <laughs> occurrence <laughs> quite frequently. Well, we, we, we just paid tribute on the show uh, last week to the producer Spot, who died, who did all those early SST records, you know, and some of them really sound like they were recorded under muffled blankets in 10 minutes, you know. So awesome. But, mm-hmm. but New Day Rising by Who's Could Do, I mean, you know. Yeah. It, yeah. it, it would be amazing if it was recorded on, you know, one track on a, a cell phone, you know. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. possibly it would be less amazing if it were pristine. And I think yeah. that's this problem with the modern way to record is that there's so many options at your home now that like you're not actually being creative because of the limitations you're like you're actually it's more risky to sound like a cheesy like 
like perfect identical the entire song snare sound but then it's also yeah. cheesy to choose lo-fi uh, sometimes yeah i yeah or like i i kind of don't like when people are just pick a decade and do the decade mm-hmm. um totally I like that. that that's it feels like an instagram filter to me yeah but then people who like go in and out i have like i'm a sucker for uh like changing fidelity in a record like dijon who's opening for us Mm. um on our tour in june like his record absolutely comes in and out of high fidelity in a way that feels purposeful the whole time Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. a chicago musician mckinley dixon does that sometimes too richmond before chicago and a good friend I would yeah. Well, the juxtaposition of, of those two opening tracks, without you, mm. without them, acapella, Carter family, back porch harmonizing, right? Thank my father before me, his mother before him. Who would I be without you without them? Into... Uh, the guitar riff from hell on $20. <laughs> uh, it is fantastic. Oh, sick. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> it's a bad idea And I'm all about it You get run for Jensen And I finally had it When you wake up, I'll be gone again And we get some Moog too, right? Is that a little analog synth uh, enhancing uh, uh, $20 as well? What did you say? <laughs> Wait, uh, well, well, we have this massive guitar riff, and then I hear a little synth, but it might be something else. Oh, synth, synth, yeah. Synth, I thought yeah. you said sin enhancing. No, no, no. <laughs> 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 it was a sin-filled analog synth. And I was like, yes. it is also it is sin enhancing. Um, There's a blurb was, for the yeah for the president of the album. Was that intentional? Let, let's show you the range of. What I wish I wish rock music was still sinning. <laughs> like, <laughs> like sometimes it just feels it's so like now. now it's just beer commercial is is like the baseline, <laughs> not yeah. the baseline. God <laughs> is the starting point for all guitar based music, and mm-hmm. and you're trying to beat you're trying to beat the corporate uh, accusations, not the hell accusations now. Um, wow yeah true true when we return we'll dig into the meaning behind the band's recent rolling stone cover photo and greg and i'll share two of our other favorite supergroups. that's coming up on sound opinions and we are back this week producer alex claiborne and i are talking with phoebe bridgers lucy dacus and julian baker about their new record called the record as boy genius we left off talking about the challenge of making rock music that isn't just a recreation of something that's been done before we just reviewed screaming females and i feel like they're doing stuff that is very cool and it sounds refined but it doesn't sound fake it doesn't sound like yeah you know they're doing every single thing like that's an example of a recent i feel like rock album that is sounding like now That's what yeah. was, again, yeah. so fun about the Nirvana cover is because we're referencing a diff, a time where they were like making fun of being corporate 
and you know on the cover of a magazine where the like the magazine what that means to be on the cover of rolling stone has changed so much since yeah. nirvana was on the cover like it it is so fun to be making a reference that's dead kind of um yeah or that's like recontextualized now that Rolling Stone takes up a different space in culture or that like print magazine isn't the huge thing. It's like, yeah, exactly. It's more of a um, monolith of like a cultural, it's like a cultural touchstone as a brand. Mm-hmm. Unless yeah, I wonder brand. how many people even have a dead tree Rolling Stone anymore. Yeah, exactly. They've seen that photo, but they've seen it via social media. Exactly. Oh, I have like five of those dead tree Rolling Stones because I was <laughs> stoked and so was my mom. Yeah. Oh, no, you well, should. If you're on the cover of Rolling Stone, you need to get some of those. I'm straight up bringing a physical copy of Rolling Stone to Thanksgiving this year so that when my extended family asks me what my job is, I can just... Like, what are you doing? You're like... <laughs> can I tell you something it? so cute? This is the yeah, radio. I love so, it. Oh, my- yeah. For Christmas, my dad, he's a graphic designer, and he made three alternative covers to Rolling Stone of him, my mom, and my brother. And, like, mm. they're the image, and they have, like, different headlines. I need to, like, put it online somewhere. But um, To even things out. He was like, yeah, just so we don't get jealous of you. We're all on the cover of Rolling yeah. Stone now. <laughs> <laughs> all on the same level. I, I, I hate to gripe about it, but my eight and a half months uh, as music editor of Rolling Stone... Uh, we, we had pretty iconic that, jim that's always awesome. iconic that's more iconic than being on the cover yeah no oh, i was fired for panning the second hootie and the blowfish album thou shalt not impede the <laughs> you were fired, you were fired the for having yeah. an opinion that's yeah. iconic that's iconic yes, that's it was legend, a right? to a Wait, that's if you weren't fired you wouldn't be tight tell the 18 year olds that <laughs> no, it's been tell the 18 year olds i the I was truth too... about Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> and they couldn't handle it. It wasn't even that nasty review. I said they were the equivalent of like milk and cookies. You know, it's, it's a Hallmark card. It's, Hope. you know. If anyone and, uh, no, 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 said no, 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 I was no, no, the no. equivalent of milk and cookies. Wait, because that's the uh, the quote that's like the opposite of love isn't hatred, it's indifference. Yes. Yeah. yeah. When people yeah. say your music is mid, I want to make music that's failing Offensive. spectacularly. Yeah. I don't want to be yeah. mid. I don't want to be like, oh, that was nice what you did. The number one sin in rock and roll or pop music or whatever we want to call it is to be boring. Is to just be okay. Yeah. Take chances. It's a sin. It's a sin. Number one sin. Yeah. And now I'm sin and cess. Well, I mean, there is a song inspired by Hail Satan on the record. Yeah. Hail yeah. Satan. Yeah. Hail Satan tonight. Tell that story. About what was it about that documentary that connected with Are you, you speaking to me? Are you asking me to <laughs> yes, tell you Julie, about my yes. experiment? Or my, my experiment. Whoa, Freudian slip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your experiment my with Satan. My experience. Uh, my experience with watching. Um, the, uh, I'm going to abbreviate this. I grew up super religious. I thought that being told that I was queer and that meant I wasn't allowed in church would make me less interested in God. But I was like, nope, I'm going to figure this riddle out. And so I got upset. Mm. I was like a sophomore in high school trying to read Kierkegaard and like figure out what God needed me to do and like try getting into the Bhagavad Gita and stuff. So I was like, mm. obviously spiritually inclined. And then I watched you this documentary, Hail Satan. And at the end of it, I was like, it was right after I had deconstructed a whole bunch about my like very zealous, intense, like anarcho-Christian weirdo cornerstone kid faith. 
and uh, I was like, am I, am I, do I agree with Satanists? Like, is the thing my parents told me is the most off limits and is the most abominable? Do I actually, am I watching this documentary, seeing how Satanists worship the edification of the self in each other Mm -hmm. and seeing how there's like Satanists out here doing food drives and clothing drives and like a needle exchanges and stuff for like the unhoused population in their cities. I'm like, Oh, am I wrong about that? So then I wrote this tune that was like, what if I decided to be a Satanist? Would you still love me? It's what did you say? It's the equivalent of would you still love me if I was a bug? <laughs> yeah. Like, you would know, you love me if I was completely different? Yeah. Like, yeah. You know how like people in relationships are like, uh, what if I, this is, <laughs> this is a fear I actually have. Cause I saw it on, on untold mysteries where somebody, some kids dropped a vat. Wait, untold mysteries. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Unsolved <laughs> mysteries. <laughs> untold mysteries. There's not untold. a show called untold mysteries. That should be the next album title. Yeah, untold, untold mysteries, mysteries is just it's a good one. The yeah. blank TV screen. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Probably the most mysterious. Yeah, it is so mysterious. <laughs> but when, you know, whatever, there's like that crazy ass, and it'll be like, and then teenagers dropped a vat of battery acid on this unsuspecting woman on the freeway and she burned her whole face. And like, people will be like, would you still love me if I got my face burned off by battery? Like, just ridiculous scenarios. Like, yes. people will say that. And so I was having a, a scenario of like, I wonder who in my life I could tell, I think I might want to entertain becoming a satanist that would be chill with it and it's us and, and it's, it's us. y'all yeah <laughs> that is indicative of many reasons yeah totally. writ large that i'm a boy genius because i feel like if i texted them like i'm joining a satanist commune they'd be like live your truth yeah, yeah. Send pics. Yeah. Send pics. Well, yeah hit me up when you you're know, back yeah, that central credo of, of do what thou will is the whole of the law. And it often no gets cut off there, but the rest of it, so long as yes. ye shall harm none. I mean, that's a, that's a, it's pretty close to Christianity and B, it's not a bad way to live. Do whatever you want. Don't hurt anybody. Satanism is way closer to historical Christianity than it is to current evangelical yes, Christianity. Totally. Anyway, yeah. uh, you, you said <laughs> you had other stuff. So our former Sound Opinions intern, uh, Mary Bernthal, recently tweeted, Boy Genius is the traveling Wilburys for people on Zoloft. And I just felt very seen by that. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. 
I think like, Mary's time with us has paid off. Yeah. <laughs> Mary hit it out of the park. Like when I saw that, I was like, first I felt very seen. I was like, Zoloft gang, rise up. Like, let's go. Um, but also I, I think that's a better descriptor or, or a more creative descriptor. Like sometimes I get tired of people trying to categorize any music that's not happy, happy, like we're partying tonight. Um, and so I was wondering, do you think that descriptor is accurate? Or like when people ask you like, what is boy genius about like what do you say in that in response to that boy genius is about us mm -hmm. right yeah it's about like friendship hanging out being scared to lose each other enjoying our time together laughing smiling laughing smiling chilling, chilling. <laughs> <laughs> um some of the songs are fun right Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, for oh, sure. Yeah. yeah, it's not it's not a funeral procession by any means. No. Like you guys oh, have you were bangers. trying desperately, Alex, to avoid that dreaded sad indie girl BS. It's you did, sad. and I'm so proud of you for doing it, even though it's now shown up. Even though now it away. we failed, let's, let's put it away. <laughs> well, I, I bring it up to mock it. You know, I mean, what is sad about about twenty dollars? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing sad about twenty bucks. There's no. nothing. Well, yeah, true. I like that when you're like, boy genius is about us. Yeah. Because our lives, like, because the life, the lived experience of a person existing in a marginalized demographic is inherently engaging with the political. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it is, in, it's like, what is boy genius about? Or like the mission statement. Someone asked us what our mission statement was. We said do gay we crime in unison, having in never unison, spoken about it we were all like, once do gay before. Crime. But like, there doesn't have like I think it is sometimes more effective to address the political in an individual context, in an interpersonal context, and so like writing about my friendship with these guys to me is an inherently radical act because we're mm. like documenting friendships and relationships that exist at a time where we really need and depend on them. Mm -hmm. it, correct me if I'm wrong, Phoebe. Like for, for me, I tried to write mostly stuff that was like about shared experiences because I don't want them to have to sing stuff that isn't true for them like Phoebe's songs maybe come from a place that's like your life, but understandings that you've come to with us. Oh, exactly. Or, it's yeah. like, it's like the, you know, the intimacy issues that I have that I'm writing about a lot on this record are things that I would bring to you guys for some empathy and perspective. Uh, in a way that I don't do on my solo albums. Mm. You know, I'm writing from like a self-reflective place on my solo records. And and this really is like bringing, bringing kind of like some of the weaker parts of my self to my friends to discuss.
loved your music video too for Not Strong Enough, which is just you guys hanging out at the carnival, mini golf. And I was wondering, was that a concept that you had been thinking up or were you just kind of vlogging as you were hanging out and you saw, you know, everything that you had collected and decided? I find that it's the juxtaposition of that video where it's like, I'm hanging out with my best friends, we're there for each other. And then the lyrics, which are decidedly, I cannot be the person that I need to be for this other person. The way I am, not strong enough to be your man. I try, I can't stop staring at the ceiling fan. I found that juxtaposition interesting and I was wondering if you had considered that if that was intentional? Well, there's a lot in there that we had already uh, from our lives, but the concept was very much like we were coming up against the clock for putting a music video out and, and just like disagreeing conceptually and nothing felt like, and we, and we disagreed. And then the person who brought whatever idea would be like, yeah, I don't even like it enough to fight for it. Like it was just, mm -hmm. it was just not happening. Uh, and, and not really what we were focusing on. Um, and so also like, like always happens to us, we had like a press month and, or like a month of work in January and the days were just dwindling and my dad died and I had to leave town and it was just like a nightmare and nothing sounded nicer than, hanging out mm -hmm. all day for our job uh in that way and and yeah it was an amazing day so yeah um we just needed it <laughs> like, yeah and we did the thing that i used to do as a kid which was like hang out with my friends and then make a, a video on iMovie. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say that. It, it really evokes the like i had one of these two um oh my gosh now that you're gone now that you're gone by metro station oh my god Mm-hmm. Metro Station. That's a throwback. I'd Listen, to, um, I'm I'm very What's that? Myself. Harder, better, faster, stronger. Is that what the song's yeah, called? Yeah, is it the Daft Punk or Kanye? Uh Daft Punk. Okay. Of course. The juxtaposition is interesting. I don't think that we were like thinking too big brain about it, but now that you brought it up, uh I think it's nice that like that sentiment, I guess you could read as like a failure, but actually it's just an admission of the truth and you can relax into not being strong enough and people can still accept you and take what you can offer. And I feel like that's part of being a really good friend is I have told friends before, like I'm in other words, I'm not strong enough to do whatever you need from me. And the friends that have been like, cool, you're not my entire world and I can yeah, that to anybody else um, are the friends that are like still in my life like people who can accept what I have to give and like all my weaknesses. Um, those are the relationships that last. So good call picking that out. Thank you. <laughs> Alex is the talent behind our show for sure. <laughs> Thanks. You're Jim, the cred. No, yeah, no. you know, cred. you know, Interscope cover of Rolling Stone, Phoebe, you're going out on this, this most anticipated tour of, uh, of this century, really. Um, <laughs> Not to be the old guy bringing up uh, uh, the comparisons, but, but you guys brought it up first on the cover of Rolling Stone. You know, I went to Seattle. I, 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 I interviewed Nirvana. They only did three interviews uh, before In Utero came out. You know, the LA Times, New York Times, and Kurt 
wanted to talk to me. Um, Amazing. You know, and there was this trepidation. It's like, how big does this get? Uh, they were scared, you know, of suddenly playing Redding, and they're playing Polly, which is a horrifying, the uh, Redding Fest, a horrifying song about a rape. And, and you know, many people in that crowd of 100,000 are not getting mm-hmm. what it was about. And it, the dope Kurt is in a dress with badly applied nail polish and lipstick, you know. No, they're cheering the wrong parts. And, and yeah. they were both attracted to that level of stadium success, for lack of a better word, and repelled by it. You know, they came from where you come from, from the indie world uh, and from a certain intimacy with the audience. Does, uh, does reaching this biggest audience of any of your careers at this moment, uh, you know, is it a mixed blessing? Does it come with some fear? Yes. Yes, hundred percent. But I think it comes with fear for for ourselves and each other, not for our closeness. Hmm. I think that I feel equipped to, if something bad happens, to talk either of you down. Yeah. yeah. And comfort you. I, I also- feel equipped as your friends, but also inequipped for this completely inhumane experience, which is yeah, fame. I- I just want to say what you just laid out about like the song not coming across. I'm not afraid of the music not being understood. Like, I don't think that the songs have left room for a misunderstanding that I couldn't live with. Yeah. 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 I think I was like about to think about, you know, born in the USA, people mm. playing that at like yes. baseball games. Yeah. It's like, this is sad. Or rage against the machine. Like yeah. accidentally having like white bro, like loving totally killing in the name P- of P- yes who what's mm-hmm. the is the politician that paul ryan yeah, paul, apparently paul ryan. is the guy paul ryan right yeah. oh yeah that uh, guy oh uh i love to never i'm think not of afraid him. of that I, <laughs> I love to never think of him <laughs> i think the closest that could happen is like yeah turfs turfs or mm. like just, turfs are not welcome on turfs are not welcome neolibs aren't welcome um but neolibs are welcome if you don't talk and you listen if you just oh yeah if you listen to us and you change your opinion if you just listen but there's a great kurt cobain quote that's like i hate you like my music isn't for you (laughs) if you are a racist and homophobic and um and that's beautiful like just to be comfortable being like get out of my show get Mm -hmm. out of my show yeah but he he couldn't control it you know yeah Uh, totally because they were so massive yeah but i like I like that, you know, Nirvana probably did change the minds of so many people who could have gone a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, they were so massive that, of course, like their music is being played at frat parties. Uh, and it's but yeah, like that. That's just such a huge cultural responsibility that I don't think we're responsible for yeah. how how our how our music is misheard. Like we've tried our hardest to make it. The fact understandable. that, like, when we were teens, we were getting interviewed about big concepts and asked to be spokespeople is, like, so weird. Like, just because you wrote something cool, people also need to make you a reliable news source. And, like, I don't know. I don't know if it's good. Or some to- kind of martyr. Like, someone who is, like... Or a spokesperson. Yeah, like, yeah, spokesperson. I felt that way, too. And then it got to me so hard. I think that's what drove so much of my, like, weird fear and obsession 
early on, like in the first record, people being like, so you wrote a song about God. Tell us about everything you know about God. Like, <laughs> yeah. and I was like you what? God, name th- th- three, three God gods. Songs. Name, <laughs> name yeah. three Bible verses. I'd be like, bet. Yeah. I was <laughs> literally brainwashed. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Um, well, you know, that voice of a generation thing, going back to Dylan has, you know, it's always a crock and, and, and people forget, you know, you watch, uh, don't look back and, and Dylan's having fun. Dylan's, mm-hmm. Dylan's taking the piss out of all those interviewers who are asking him big, important, heavy questions. Love and then you read his autobiography and he says his biggest influence was, was tiny Tim. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Although there's something about that though. There's like a fine line though, because I kind of don't like when, people who have been given the opportunity to have something important and thoughtful to say Mm. use it to say something spectacular that's like garnering interest out of shock value that doesn't contribute to the discourse i'm like okay so the price of me being given by life or fate this opportunity to be in like to have a microphone in front of my mouth i can't believe i'm about to quote spider-man right now do it do it with great power comes great responsibility Wait, spider-man was not the first <laughs> right that's like an old a dodge. no that is just a did you say a dodge right adage adage wow are you going to try to drag it's me both Wait, you can say wait, either. How do you say how do you say how do you say assuage? 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 I say assuage. Assuage. Fuck. That's acceptable. I'm not going to take any of your I'm going to no, let You're thinking of adagio like the musical concept. The musical term, yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. I I could learn something. You're being dog. In Richmond they say <laughs> adage. No, but but me. but you tried to make fun of me. <laughs> you were like, "Hold up, time to make fun of you for being a dumb uh, e." Tell me. Wait, 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 wait. No, but wait. there's there's two. Also, ways you're to saying look at that. you're talking about the the great with great power comes great responsibility. Peter Parker. Is that um, not? <laughs> I didn't say Spider Man said that. I think Uncle Ben said that. <laughs> Spider Man. So we've been having laughs and making mistakes and being humans talking. Right, yeah. uh, Alex and I feel like we're on the bed with the three of you. That <laughs> there's not the responsibility to be the voice of the generation. Then yeah, you've we done can, the job. You can mispronounce the a dodge all day. You know, yeah. the voice well, of a generation cannot pronounce <laughs> the dodge. I think you've lived up to the responsibility of saying important things on the record, and then you can do whatever you want. In our you, old you radio interview today. <laughs> Like, the only way it would have translated is if it was in this interview. Yeah, what just happened. Mm-hmm. We are thrilled to be talking to Boy Genius, having having been talking to Boy Genius. Julian Baker, Phoebe Bridgers, Lucy Dacus. Uh, thank you so much for sharing some time with us. So fun. You rock. Yeah. Thank you great. so thank you much, y'all. Amazing time. Thank you. Julian, I apologize before you, you, you were off camera. As, you know, we had Lucy on the show. We chatted with Lucy. We had Phoebe do a live event. And it's a, you know, we would have been happy to do one with you, but the world ended for like three years. That's all right. She's Nothing. still around. I'm around. Yeah. I, I survived. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk more about Satan. Yes. Yeah. 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 Anytime. Anytime. Just ring me. Yeah. <laughs>
That's it for our conversation with Phoebe Bridgers, Lucy Dacus, and Julian Baker of Boy Genius. Now we want to hear from you. What do you think of the record? Where does Boy Genius rank among supergroups in your book? Leave us a message on our website so we can play it on the show. Plus, if you're currently a Patreon supporter, or if you sign up now, you can hear the full unedited interview at patreon.com slash soundopinions. Coming up, Jim and I will add a few supergroup tracks to Desert Island Jukebox. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions. And we're back. With all the excitement around Boy Genius, we've been thinking about Jim's comments that most male supergroups have sucked. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, you're right. I don't know that I can sign on to that completely, but I think generally you're right on, Jim. But I can think of many female supergroups that are great. Mm. If I had to choose just one, uh, I would have to go with uh, Wild Flag. Absolutely. That band put out one album in 2011, which was my top album of that year. I was just blown away by how good this band was. And they came in and played for us. Do you remember did. that? They absolutely did. That band was a group that formed in, in the wake of Slater Kinney breaking up, or at least what they said was a, a, a hiatus, mm-hmm. which uh, ended up lasting for about a decade. Meanwhile, two members of Slater Kinney, Carrie Brownstein and the drummer Janet Weiss, were looking for some more work to do, and uh, they hooked up with a couple of pals of theirs. Mary Timoney could not uh, have chosen love her. a better guitarist as well as songwriter and singer uh, to collaborate with, and then uh, Rebecca Cole, a uh, keyboardist in the Minders, adding a different flavor uh, mm-hmm. to the types of bands that they had been in before, very guitar-centric bands. Rebecca brought a totally different feel to the band's music with those keyboard textures, so they expanded. They made one self-titled record, Wild Flag, in 2011. I highly, highly recommend it. But, you know, what was uh, I loved about that band was they enjoyed playing with each other. I think they all yeah. saw it as like a big, a long holiday weekend. Yeah, they were having and a blast. When they were... When they were on stage together, they were just, you know, uh, Carrie Brownstein and Mary Timoney were just having a ball, mm-hmm. like jousting with those guitars. There was a two-guitar uh, duel going on uh, against Janet Weiss's incredible drumming and Rebecca's keyboards. Great band, great feel for the music. I think uh, one of the best records of the last 15 years as well. You could just about drop into this record and play any track, but I, I want to play a little bit of Glass Tambourine, which I think was one of the highlights mm-hmm. of the record. I saw them play it live numerous times, and uh, it works just as well on the self-titled record. Here's Glass Tambourine from Wild Flag on Sound Opinion. Did I ever tell you I was looking through My pick for a female, quote-unquote, supergroup that uh, exceeded all expectations, I would say. Absolutely. I think my problem with male supergroups is you often have just dueling egos clashing, making a heck of a racket. And, and yeah. you know, for whatever reasons, there are several female supergroups over the years that uh, that just 
collaborate with more passion and more cohesion. And I got to confess, I was unaware of the two albums that a trio of some of the best American singer-songwriters made together until Alex Claiborne brought it up. She was saying to me, I think that this Boy Genius record is like those two records that Dolly Parton, Emmy Lou Harris, and Linda Ronstadt made. And I was like, I was completely unaware of them, Greg. And um, it turns out in 1987, Trio, the first of those two records, and then again in 1999, a follow-up, there's a combination compilation that puts 20 songs from those two records uh, mm. together. I'm fans of all three of those artists. I'm somehow that collaboration went under my radar. It was difficult for these songwriters to make. They were friends. They were eager to do it. And because they recorded for three labels, <laughs> they got a lot of pushback from the industry. And that makes sense. Why have one best-selling album when you could have three from each of them individually? Mm. Why? Because they loved singing together. They loved working together, much like Boy Genius or Wild Flag. This was a labor of love, and that love is audible. It just comes through the grooves, those three voices working together. Uh, I could play anything from the compilation of those two albums, but I'm going to go with After the Gold Rush by Neil Young, uh, that wonderful 1970 song, uh, title track to the album of the same name, the pathos, the sadness, the melancholia, the depth of that song has always moved me. And to hear Dolly and Linda Ronstadt and Amy Lou Harris uh, sing it, I mean, it, it brings it to a whole new level. It's like my, my new favorite Neil Young <laughs> cover ever. Might even be better than the original. Here it is. There was a fanfare blowing to the sun. There was floating on the Mother Nature on the run in the 20th century. Look at Mother Nature on the run in the 20th century. After the Gold Rush by the incredible trio of Dolly Parton, Emmy Lou Harris, and Linda Ronstadt. Talk about a super group, huh? Did you know that those albums? Yeah, no, I do. And uh, in fact, I, uh, Neil Young, I once talked to him, and he, he told he was telling me how much he loved their their cover. Mm -hmm. Of course, when you got three giants, you know, oh, with man. the voices that they have covering one of your songs, it's a, it's a huge honor. You and know? each very distinctive in their own styles of singing oh, and songwriting. But to see them merge, like Boy Genius, like Wild Flag, it took the music to another level. What do we have on the show next week? Next week, Jim, we have some buried treasures that we are going to unearth. We love doing these. These are songs that aren't necessarily mainstreamy type of songs, but we love them, and we think you need to hear them. And also, uh, we want to remind our listeners that our bonus podcast feed is available wherever you get your podcasts. Absolutely. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this program belong solely to Sound Opinions and not necessarily to Columbia College Chicago or our sponsors. Thanks, as always, to our Patreon supporters. Sound Opinions is produced by Andrew Gill, Alex Claiborne, and our associate producer, Sol Delgadillo. Our Columbia College intern is Lauren Holt, and our social media consultant is Katie Cott. 